previously on Lost. This thing starts in the city of Wuhan. And there's like literally more people in Wuhan than like all of Canada. Not looking up if that's true. People don't really know where it came from. The incubation period is between basically 10 and 14 days. Which is a long fucking time. You could be walking around with it incubating inside of you for two weeks. And not even have symptoms. Coronavirus spreads through both direct and indirect contact. Could it be that China is actually trying to create a super army of scientists out of this containment measure? You killed Naomi! I've corona. Do you like that? So <laughs> the, the thing is, I, I don't, don't have... So I got sick last Wednesday because a certain producer... Uh, decided to shake my hand as a show of fealty uh, and was covered in germs. And I, I did that whole Chapo show, sick as a dog. You were really sick. You And I feel really bad because I, before the Chapo show, Brace was like, please, can you get me medicine? You got me Sudafed. So I did. Well, I went super... Super mom style on you. Mm-hmm. That didn't sound right. Yeah, and- <laughs> yeah. It was it was amazing. It was amazing. Have you? I've never had milk of that quality before. Oh my it god! Was, it was. It was. Oh my god! So okay. I normally okay. lactose stop intolerant. It, stop it, stop. All right. No, go ahead. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Like, exactly. This is what I was saying. <laughs> You're so you disgusting. got me disgusting. You're disgusting. Not just the okay, but I did get you the really good nasal spray that you like. Mm-hmm, that was good too. Okay, but we then I did cocaine. get I did get praise the like you know street legal Sudafed. I had to you know go up to the pharmacy and give them my name and address. They had to make sure I wasn't cooking meth mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. I don't know how that works. I, yeah, and you're in the meth. I mean, I think I'm in the meth database. I've been arrested for selling <laughs> meth possession before, so. Um, I'm not in any database except for probably the FBI and the one in my heart. Oh, yeah, it has every woman who I've ever podcasted with. <laughs> one. Um. Anyway, so then Brace got crazy from the Sudafed. You were like not well. I was unwell. It yeah. made it th- worse, maybe. S- yeah, I've done a lot of uppers in my life, probably more than most people in the world, uh, just because most people haven't done them. Uh, <laughs> but I've done a lot, and I never enjoyed them. And I can't say that that record is is is. I still don't enjoy them. Yeah, you were I, like a little shaky and funny. I was feeling a little crazy. Yeah, but able to able to pull it off. Yeah, I think it went well. Mm-hmm. Although, so no, actually, we had some feedback from a listener mm-hmm. that was not pleased with what we said. Was it Ro Khanna? Uh, no, David Frum. David Frum. Actually, yes. now who is that now? Grace? So he, David Frum is George W. Bush's former speechwriter, mm. and actually a more dishonorable job. He is, I believe, the editor of the Atlantic. Oof. You know, it's funny. His actual name well, is David Cum because I've <laughs> came in his mouth a bunch of times. Uh, in fact, filled it like a reservoir. Yeah, he came up with rain. the excess of evil, mm-hmm. and yes. now he's calling us the excess of evil. Yeah, he ca- he said it was fucked up that I said I fucked Elizabeth Warren. You yeah. know, what I think it's fucked up when women don't call you back. <laughs> Well, hello, everyone. Uh Welcome. Get on down with the sickness. <laughs> what is that? You don't know what that is. 
Wait, are you fucking for <laughs> I, real? I you know what down You're literally the sickness whispering. Is? Yeah, the song has whispers in it. We'll just continue. Who, oh, it's that what one? is the W? What oh, is it's that who? one? I don't understand why okay, there's wait, all no. the notes. Brace, who? stop. Stop. Just stop. Okay. Welcome to Tronon. Oh, yeah. I'm Liz. Uh, my name is Dr. Brace. Oh, yes. Dr. Brace is here. Mm-hmm. We're joined, of course, by Young Chomsky. My faithful nurse. <laughs> but he's my nurse. Not like he's a nurse made for me. Not You're like wet he's, nurse. He's my wet nurse. Well, <laughs> okay. If you want to call him that, sure. I don't know what that makes you then. Shut it down. Okay. Um, one thing before we get to the episode today. Yes. We have a live show coming up. Mm-hmm. For our listeners in the Bay Area, yes, we are doing. We have been invited to a crossover live podcast episode with Drumroll Radio Warner. Yes. Now I am like totally freaking out about this. I'm starstruck. I I am. Yeah. I am the biggest fan of the Exile. We had Yasha Levine on. I'm the biggest fan of Warnerd. Mm-hmm. I live. I feel like that. Have you seen that photo of LeBron on no. Instagram where he's like, "I can't. I'm smiling through it. I can't believe my life." No, I don't know that photo. It's good. Instagrams anyway, for girls. That's what I feel like, fellas. We're all on Mastodon. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, we on 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 April twenty second, two days after the birthday of Adolf Hitler. Uh, the <laughs> you anniversary. Said Jesus Christ. I, well, yeah. I did almost say Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't know, to a Jew, there's not too much difference. Not too much daylight okay. between the two. Uh, so, on April 22nd, at 7.30 p.m. at the Verdi Club. V-E-R-D-I Club. Don't know how to spell that one. In San Francisco, <laughs> California, you have Radio Warner Live featuring Chuna. Yes. Mark Ames. And uh, John Dolan, a.k.a. Gary Brecher, the Warner. Uh, live in person. Hanging out with us. And it's selling out. It has been selling like hotcakes. These guys Mm. are flying in for the show. This is John Dolan's triumphant return. Napoleon leaving Elba or, yeah, coming to the mainland, 100 days, whatever. He's back in the bay. Back at it, baby. Uh And I, I, if you wish to join him as a phalanx armed guard, sort of like Gaddafi's Mm. Amazonian guard, uh, except you'll probably be a dude if you're going to this, just statistically. Hey, ladies... Ladies, but is welcome probably to. that doesn't mean definitely. Probably, mm. ladies, I have a guest list of eighty-five women <laughs> that I can do. So if you'd like to come, email me at <laughs> at uh, gmail dot. Jesus, <laughs> wait, cut that. That's literally oh, that my email. Yeah. <laughs> okay, on with the show. Yeah. Well, speaking of on with the show, we are also coming to New York next week. Those shows are sold out. Do not give me coronavirus. So what I usually do when I meet a fan is I kiss you deeply with my mouth <laughs> on any place of your choosing on your body. I mean, I'm talking shoulders, face, nipple, whatever. Uh, dudes only. Do not. I will not be doing that this show. We're doing the whole show in mask on mask yes, in masks. It's kind of actually it's crazy. But we don't have the like we don't have surgical masks. We actually have those kind of the, like bird masks with uh-huh. the long noses. In, in fact, the whole. Mm. Yeah, the whole audience will be wearing those as well. Yes, and there will. But be then, no clothes. N- not a not a robe in sight. <laughs> uh, and this, we're doing it at the Bloomberg uh, news offices. Yes, uh, and we're doing it on uh, June six sixty six. 
Uh, that wasn't You're, funny. That wasn't funny. You're just confusing people. New yeah. York, we're going to see you in a week. Yeah. Do also n- Philly. Yeah. Well, that's not. I, I refuse to believe that show is real. Okay. So coronavirus has swept the nation. <laughs> <laughs> people have a fever. Uh-huh. Literally and, because they have coronavirus. And they're dying. Oh, sorry. Ugh. Okay. Yeah, we're it, getting serious this now. This is fucked. Okay. So we- I shouldn't say that. This uh, might be fucked. Okay. Pause. Mm-hmm. Before Dr. Brace gets into his Dr. Brace stuff. Yes. We, I just want to say that we, uh, faithful listeners know, we did record an episode about coronavirus previously. We did. But circumstances have changed. Mm -hmm. I don't know when we did that, a couple weeks ago? Who knows? But um, we, I, you know, I haven't gone back and listened. We got some, I mean, you know, a lot of stuff has changed, but I will say you know, towards the end of the episode, we talked about possible economic shocks mm-hmm. to be expected. And we're going to be talking later in the pod to friend of the show, Alexander Skaggs, about how some of those things uh, are happening right now. Yes. Yeah. No, this is uh, our, our economic correspondent will be joining us. Yes. Uh, I just like to say that. I know. You like correspondent. Like, yeah. I like how it's I like cute. We have, we have she, all yeah. broad correspondents, 100% dames. Oh, always. Always. No fellas. I don't Dimes want a and dames. Yeah. But I will say, yeah, once you, once we've, you know, we can trust you, you've been elevated from gumshoe to correspondent. Exactly. Okay, but coronavirus, so. Well, speaking of elevated, so. <laughs> so remember when there was like the death rate, they were like, damn, this is 2%. And people were like, that's fucked up. That's like a lot more than the flu. Well, no, Yeah. I think we should start out the episode by saying that has changed. That has changed. So the WHO, which you are calling Hugh. Oh, that's what that... So I thought there was just who written all over this. Like you couldn't figure out who any of the quotes were attributed to. <laughs> I'm just fucking kidding. We have many pages of notes. I've read them all. I even wrote some of them. And I know WHO stands for who. You almost just said who stands for who. Who stands for who. It stands for the World Health Organization. Yes. Okay. So they have, as of, I think it was March 3rd. Yes. So just a couple days ago, they announced that the new recorded mortality rate for coronavirus, not this is globally, by the way, not specific to the United States. Yeah. But globally is now 3.4%, which mm-hmm. is uh, far more deadly than the flu. Yeah. The flu, I think, kills about uh, less than 1%. Yes. So it's, it's way worse. And coronavirus has been spreading. So the thing is, I'm still, I'll be honest with you, I've read a lot about the coronavirus in the past, uh, well, month, but specifically the past couple weeks. Um, It seems like when you get it, of course, you're not always, not everyone's symptomatic. About 80% of cases are not very serious, maybe mimicking the regular flu or not even that bad. 20% are much more serious, and then a smaller fraction of those are fatal. Yes. 3.4%. Yes. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with viral pneumonia. You get pneumonia and yeah. then you die from complications from that. Now, I've had walking pneumonia. It's very serious. Yeah. That was not that bad. And I had it for a year before I realized what was going on. I just thought I was dying. Oh, my God. Brace. It's, nah, hey. This is a problem. Men, go to the doctor. Oh my god! I, so I you actually, all need girlfriends so that you'll just fucking call the doctor when you're well, sick. Well, I, so I actually I went to the doctor uh, to get my uh, semen's like uh, no <laughs> no to get my merchant marines uh, like physical checked out, yeah, okay. and it's like this big goomba, and he's like, brother, you got walking man's pneumonia, and I was like, walking man, he's called a walking man's pneumonia, 
And uh, he gave me a little albuterol. Clear that motherfucker oh right out. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously. So the big issue with um, complications with coronavirus, because remember, this it's a lung, you know, it gets in your lungs. Mm-hmm. It's basically, you know, infections, you know, caused by or, you know, amplified by the virus. Yeah. So like you say, pneumonia, bronchitis, you know, different infections uh-huh. through the body. And that's really where stuff starts to get weird and why, you know, the populations that are um, particularly high risk are, you know, the elderly, yes. the immunocompromised. Mm-hmm. Um, but I should say, you know, anyone with underlying medical issues yeah. is going to be at a higher risk than probably, you know, what I'm guessing are the demographics of our listener, which would probably be... I'm. Diabetics. Well, I was going to say that they're probably less than, you know, under 30. I have no idea. Yeah. Who cares? But, uh, you know, it, it, we should say, like, diabetes is an underlying condition, and that affects a big population of the United States. Yeah. People in my family have it. Mm-hmm. Um, I look like I have. I'm just kidding. Um, no, I... Uh, it, it, is, it is not great. And I, I, think, I think a big problem here is that, like, in you, when you are hospitalized for this, because a lot of these cases will involve hospitalization, uh, we don't have, like, first of all, an unlimited supply of hospital beds, but also, a lot, in a lot of cases, ventilators are needed. Right. And uh, we definitely don't have enough ventilators to basically cover everyone that is projected to be covered. And there's a lot of uh, varying sort of projections about how many people could get this and, and, and it overall, and then what the numbers inside of that look like. Yeah, I think basically, again, because... It's been relatively. I mean, I think it's safe to say that a lot of this is being underreported in the United States. Absolutely, for yeah. various. I am going to say political reasons, mm-hmm. um, both locally, statewide, and nationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, we totally. We don't really. But then also the nature of the virus, and the you know infection, like how it's being transmitted, and then also the incubation period, which we mentioned on the previous show, is anywhere between 14 and 30 days. Yep. Um, it's really hard to get good numbers yeah. on what exactly is happening. And so... <laughs> Brace dropped his phone. It's the phone I used to time the episodes with, so don't give me shit about it. Um, but, so, you know, it, there's been a lot of, like, viral threads on Twitter that I'm, like, hesitant to even quote from or direct people to because you just don't know... You just don't want to cause a panic or anything like that. Exactly, but basically yeah. holds that, like, you know, if these doubling rates, which would be, you know, the rate at which people are getting infected yeah. and mortality rates hold, what you're looking at, you know, I mean, you're looking at in the millions of infections, of oh, recorded yeah. infections like within, oh. you know, a month and a half. Yes, yes. Yeah, you are. And possibly... The fatality numbers reaching hundreds of thousands just in the United States. Yeah. And again, we don't know what's going to happen with that. Obviously. But it is, I mean, so today is, what day is it today? The 7th? Mm. Uh, it's the 7th, March yes. 7th uh, at uh, 4.30 a.m. <laughs> and uh, yesterday, there was one confirmed case in San Francisco that was community transmission. That means they had gotten it from somebody else in the community and not necessarily... They hadn't been to China or been, right. you know, they weren't one of these people who had gotten it early. Or a cruise ship. They exactly. didn't have any contact. Yeah. And now today there are eight confirmed cases. I have a feeling 
not as confirmed cases they've been tested for coronavirus using the coronavirus test. Yes. Um, essentially, there's no way to know how many people have it. I mean, it went from, they were, it was in three states, and then uh, next day, I think it was in 21 states. Now it's in over 25. I'm sure it's probably in every state. Yeah. And again, okay, so I want to pause here because, like, we're not trying to start a panic with our listeners. No. We're, like... You know, we're trying to be as sober as possible. Yeah. And I don't mean, you know what I mean, in terms of how we're talking about it. Yeah. But I have seen a lot of stuff just, you know, anecdotally, like, on my social media, particularly on Instagram, which is a different kind of beast than Twitter, where it's a lot of people saying, like, there's no reason to freak out. There's no re- This is just the flu. This is just, like, a sickness. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And it's, like, that's half true, but also half not true. Yeah. And part of the reason why it's half not true is, one, because there is actually, like, barely any, um, like, information being told to us, Mm -hmm. which is very scary. But also because the, you know, the nature of pandemics, we're going to be facing possibly school closures, Mm -hmm. quarantines. It's just very different than the regular flu. And by the way, we were talking about this before we started recording the regular flu sucks yeah too. yeah like it's that's it's, that yeah. doesn't make it like easier it's funny i've had it so many like not flu but flu-like symptoms due mm. to certain uh destructive behaviors of my life yes and so it's like to me it's like oh, it's it, it sucks but you get it like every six months i um, haven't had the flu since i was a kid yeah i i think i i get i get sick kind of a lot because i'm mm. jewish but uh it's it it's if a, everyone that's the thing is like we're we might like all get this at the same time. <laughs> well, that Which is be not very... usually how the flu works. I mean, people yeah. get the flu, but not like a hundred million people, right? And so it's it's a little it's different than what we've been dealing with before. You said something about school closures, though. So like, I think to give us kind of a glimpse of like yeah. what could happen with that, could you go into that a little bit? Well, I will say so. Like, it came out today that you know a couple cities in Italy are going full quarantine, mm-hmm. which. Respect, I guess. I don't know. Quarantini, they call it. Yeah. Um, But, you know, the outbreak in northern Italy is very serious. And so, you know, the governments there are taking some pretty serious measures. Brace and I were talking and, you know, I have no idea if they're going to be doing that in the United States. Some schools have closed in San Francisco already. No, but I just mean like cities going full quarantine. I think uh, the nature of the United States makes that very difficult. Also, like our leadership are a bunch of fucking morons yep. that don't take any public power seriously. This so. is why I voted for the five-star party America. <laughs> um, yes, La Lega. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Uh, but uh, there... So again, yeah. The, so schools are closing. Yep. They're going to start advising churches probably to close. I would not be surprised. Movie theaters, you know, like we mentioned before, South by Southwest mm-hmm. canceled. Big events are canceling. But the thing about the schools canceling is very interesting to me because, um, you know, these aren't – they're short-term measures, but they actually have, like, long-lasting effects. Yeah. And what's worrisome is, like – and I know this sounds stupid, but you're going to have all these kids basically not able to keep up with schoolwork. Mm-hmm. Parents are going to have to stay home to take care of their kids. Those parents have to work. Uh, I mean, they'll figure out probably telecommunicate or telecommuting for school, but it's going to be a second, you know? Yeah. I mean, we just don't have any of that infrastructure in place at all. And the places that we do are, of course, going to be private schools where there's a richer population. Yep. God knows what the public schools are going to do. 
I mean, um, I imagine most of them are just going to be pretty much ghost towns for at least a month. Yeah, so it's just, you know, these things have kind of like snowball effects. Yeah. Like, for example, um, you know, there is a large population. There's a story in the New York Times about this. A large population of children in America that rely on, uh, you know, public schools for meals. Right? Yeah. So school lunches, not just school lunches, and you hear a lot about school lunch programs, but also breakfasts. You know, like yeah, they, yeah. so we're talking about like, you know, child poverty rates skyrocketing, child hunger rates skyrocketing, even in short term, that's going to have long lasting effects. Well, it's, it's, I mean, and, and you talked about parents having to stay home too. I mean, a lot of parents, there's, as many of you know, no free childcare really in, in, in definitely not on a federal level in America and school sort of serves that purpose, especially very early school. Uh, now parents are going to have to stay home. And when parents have to stay home, I mean, I don't know about you. I've never had a job where I could work from home. Every job I've had has been, I've been mostly a florist, you know, worked at a gym, worked at a brewery, et cetera. Uh, You can't do any of those jobs from home. And that's true for a lot of people. So it's, you're going to come up to sort of an impasse there. Like, what do you do in that situation? Yeah. And I don't think, I I don't know the answer to that. Here it says, uh, you know. In this country, more than two-thirds of the 31 million students who regularly eat school lunch are economically dependent upon the meal. And low-income kids similarly constitute the majority of 14.6 million who eat school breakfast and the 1.3 million who receive an after-school supper. That is a lot. It's a lot of kids. Yeah. And, you know... You know, there have been some cases at schools. I believe there was one in... I want to say Winchester... I don't have that right in front of me. Um, and the good thing is, is that, you know, the, you know, kids are a relatively low risk group mm-hmm. in terms of like their immune systems, but they can be basically like dis- what you would kind of call like a disease vector uh-huh. where because they're carrying it and so many, you know, you can't really quarantine Liz's kids. This new book out on Verso. <laughs> Um, oh my God, it totally sounds like a verso fucking bug. Go on. But, you know, kids can just be carriers that then transmit the disease elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and and that that's, you know, poses a real problem. Yeah, I mean, especially if there are older generations in the house as well. I mean, that's the thing is, is older people die at much higher rate. I mean, that is the majority of the deaths have been from older people. That, that first sort of outbreak in Washington at the old folks home in, in King County. Oh. I, I know. Like devastating. I, yeah, I was reading about it the other day. Um, but it's 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 terrifying because in a lot of places, like you know, multiple generations live in one house. Yeah, absolutely. Well, especially when they're you know poor. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is like it's it's so in San Francisco, you know, they declared a state of emergency here, like they've declared in a lot of places, and they've said like you know don't if you are if you are old or like if you're you know a, a at risk group for this for getting this and dying from it, like try not to go outside. Well, there's 10,000 people in San Francisco alone, a city of 800,000 people, probably more like a million now, uh, that sleep outside every night. You know, we have 10,000 homeless people all over California. I mean, like, all that shit you see on Fox News about California, by the way, is correct. Yeah, that's right. There are shanty towns everywhere. Mm. The streets are covered in shit because there is no fucking place. I mean, there are places to put people, but... uh, the housing market's so financialized that there's basically no incentive to give people homes if yes. they're not rich. Um, 
So I don't know what's going to happen with that. Like if if an outbreak of Corona gets out among the homeless in San Francisco, I mean, I can imagine there will be a lot more. I mean, there is already extremely high anti-homeless sentiment from a certain class of people in San Francisco. Yeah, I imagine that will not only skyrocket, but we'll probably see some some. Yeah, and I want to say too, like, not that it this makes any difference, but it's like you know. There's families living on the street, oh, too, yeah. oh, here. Yeah. It's yeah, not, yeah. you know, there is like a, you know, that it's just a bunch of rabble-rousers, not crazy all, people. No. That's not, you know, how... I know, I, I know two people, like, just off the top of my head that I've been friends with, I've known for a long time, that are just homeless. Yeah. That's just not how extreme inequality manifests, right? No. Um, and if it were to, out, you know, if there were an outbreak, like you said, in that population... Um, yeah, it would be devastating. Yeah, and it could it could kill a lot of people. Yeah, and I want to, you know, the state, the city, and the state. Like, I, I just think they're. I mean, yeah, the federal government, of course, is is insane. Yeah, and we can talk a little bit about their response, which has been completely um, fucking bonkers. Yeah, it's totally bonkers. Um, but also, like the cities. And the states have a lot of power mm-hmm. that they can exercise when it comes to public health yeah. emergencies. Like, for example, Newsom, Gavin Newsom, our fucking shiny ass mayor. And Yashali's former boss. <laughs> uh, you know, he has already declared that he's going to waive all uh, fees, all insurance fees for coronavirus testing. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, but hey, question for the mayor. Why can't you do that for everything related to exactly. these hospital stays? Exactly. Oh, wait, he could. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, the state and even the cities, like, the mayors, under public health emergencies, so many powers open up that mm-hmm. they can exercise. And, you know, you saw some of that in response, particularly in San Francisco and even in New York during the AIDS crisis when, because Reagan, you know, everyone knows the Reagan administration just basically fucking ignored that epidemic. And particularly in San Francisco and New York, where outbreaks were quite serious, you know, city officials had to rely on what powers they could, you know, kind of take on and communities as well to try and contain as much as they could. But it's really difficult to do without the kind of power of the purse of the federal government. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, yeah, I don't need to get into the AIDS crisis. That stuff <laughs> makes me too upset. But. Yeah, uh, it's, 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 I don't, like, they're putting, so Dean Preston, city councilman here, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Respect. I don't even want to say friend of the pod because I don't want to get him in trouble. No. But admired by the pod. Uh, he is putting a moratorium, or trying to pass a moratorium on evictions during this. And like that, that, I, I have a feeling that will go through. But think of every other city in America uh, where then you know almost none of that won't happen most yeah. other places, and so like during this whole thing, you know the economy will keep chugging along, and and the way that most people sort of deal with the economy is through things like evictions, right? And like going to the you know whatever. I mean, I was I was listening to this thing about like a or maybe I was reading no I was reading it. Uh, it was a friend's Facebook page, and he was asking people in his town how this had affected them. It's a town in Washington. And one guy was like, well, I volunteer at a, uh, a food bank for people with AIDS mm. and no one shows up. Yeah. And so like, I mean, people going to food banks 
are people who need to use food banks. Right. And so now these people are either, you know, spending money that they can't really afford to spend on food at a grocery store, or they're more likely not going out at all because people with HIV, AIDS are sure. immunocompromised. Absolutely. And that is a huge target group for this. And also, I should say, like, you know, it's one thing for you know, the Trump admin to advise people possibly stay home from work. Mm -hmm. But that's, like, not a luxury that a lot of people can afford in this country. Yeah. and That's also not what the Trump... The Trump admin told people to go to work. No, like, at one point, they were kind of signaling that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, like... You know, that's kind of the good... I mean, I think Cuomo said that. I'm sure London Breed has said that, you know. Um, But again, you know, almost, I'll say this, it's one of my favorite quote, one of my favorite statistics, uh, nearly 80% of all new jobs added after the what we call the Great Recession were in precariat labor. Now, the thing about that is the way that those you know, or what we call a gig economy, the way those jobs work is you only get paid if you literally show up to work, which is usually yeah. in your car or, you know, making deliveries or, you know, so you're, whatever, in, whatever. In most cases, you're not an employee, meaning you don't have the rights of an employee. Exactly. Leave, uh, you know, some accruing vacation time. Any kind of like, like possible telecommuting, yep. anything like that. I mean, most people can't, t- I mean, and think about this too. Of course, most people can't telecommute, you know yeah. what I mean? You can't, most people don't, have, yeah, exactly. But like, Most people th- don't work in an office. Think about this too, in San Francisco, a lot of our uh, like really poor people live in SROs, single room occupancy hotels. Mm. Basically like, uh, almost like dormitories um, where there's, you know, one or more person, people to a room. A room is just one room no kitchen, no bathroom, shared bathroom at the end of the hall. And uh, how are those people supposed to be quarantined or self-quarantined? They can't cook. No. They have to use the same bathroom. It's like, it's it's almost an impossibility. And, and the federal government's response to this has been fucking, like we were saying, fucking insane. Yeah. Like if in, in, in so, so like to compare it to South Korea, in South Korea, they are going door to door and testing every single person to see if they have coronavirus, uh, whether they exhibit symptoms or have come into contact with people or anything or not. They're testing everybody. And they've gotten mortality rates down to 0.6%. That does not look like it will be the same case in America. It doesn't look like they're really testing anyone at all. I mean, I don't... No, they're not. The testing thing is... Uh, uh, yeah, we would have to... Yeah, the testing thing is fucking absurd. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't... There's absolutely zero reason why the United States cannot... Deploy the Federal Reserve to mm-hmm. mandatory test. Oh, like the, the Army Reserve or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did I say? The Federal Reserve? Yeah. I was oh. like, damn. What? I we National, yeah. you know, National Guard. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need to That's deploy a- the Federal Reserve <laughs> to smash Ron Paul's mountain oh fortress. Oh, my God. That's a weird slip. Anyway, there's absolutely no reason why, you know, the National Guard can't be deployed in every state, in every city, to test everyone. Yeah. Literally everyone. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. It's just like really, it's really upsetting. And, um, you know, I kind of wish that, you know, I, I question why more politicians aren't kind of raising some red flags yeah. here and not really speaking out. And I have a... Uh, the unfortunate feeling that we're going to have to rely on whistleblowers, particularly within, you know, the health industry. You know, there was a nurse in Northern California from mm-hmm. Kaiser who came out 
you know, saying the practices going on in the hospital were not okay. There was no testing. She wasn't tested. Yep. Um, and we're going to have to rely on brave whistleblowers to really get a lot of information. I mean, that's how we heard about the the standard. I mean, that's when when I heard about what they did at Travis Air Force Base. Yeah. Where they just had federal like health workers working in with no protective gear alongside people in fucking hazmat suits. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, they were fucked. Like, and we should mention is- like rich people are preparing. Oh yeah. Like, that's the thing is, like, they are... So, there's been a spate of articles lately about how rich people are essentially... Not only are they they just calling random doctors or fancy doctors and looking for a cure. They're signing up for prestige uh, health... I didn't know about health concierges. Did you know about this? Mm -mm. I've seen one, I think, downtown. But I I, I don't really understand. I think it's, like, an urgent care, but they, like, uh, are fancier. Mm. I don't really get exactly what they do. And I don't care to know but they're doing stuff for these people and they have these like insane all right so one of these masks which uh i actually have no No, i don't uh the urban air mask costs 70 dollars uh check this out this is from their website the urban air mask 2.0 introduces a whole new level of protection breathability and design like combining cutting edge filter technology with timeless Scandinavian design. Jesus the Urban Christ. Air Mask 2.0 offers an outstanding performance and comfort to combat harmful particles in the air. Um, it's uh, sold to the SF MoMA design store and on their website it is sold out. They're flying all over the place. I'm sure that uh, a lot of these sort of like, you know, cabins in uh, Aspen or in the Caribbean, you know, uh, Little St. James Island. <laughs> These things will be filling up with rich people fleeing. Yeah, there's also all these little cottage and in- like a little cottage industry of like rich prepper gear yes, popping yeah. up, and not just like your run of the mill REI crap, but like you know like kits that have everything that you need. Yeah, the pussy way to do it. Yeah, I like to I like to be flexible in my loadout. Well, I do. I, I you know before we get to uh, talking to Alexandra about the financial markets because mm-hmm. a lot of people have been asking us. About the recession, about the market, what the hell is going on? Uh, I, you know, I do kind of want to talk a little bit about the true non-prep vibe. So a lot of people may have have gathered at this point that Liz is a prepper, <laughs> like real deal prepper. She doesn't have some of the things, the accoutrements that are necessary to prep, like myself. Um, but no, you, you prep. What, what have you been getting? I am not. A, I would never claim the title of prepper mm-hmm. because I respect that label too much. Okay. <laughs> um, no, but I just, you know, jokes aside, I do. Uh, Brace and I really did want to talk about this for our listeners because we do really care about you guys, or at least I do. And it's time to get like a little serious about, you know, preparing for possibly some very weird scenarios over the next couple months. So the number one thing is I know all of you are on bipolar medication. <laughs> uh, the number one Maybe. thing to do that like I always, so I, I, you should get a month supply of your medication if yeah. possible beyond the one that you currently So get. I've told this to a couple friends and you know, you should call your doctor today if you're listening to this and see if they can call in a one to two months supply mm-hmm. of whatever medication you need. The same goes for, you know, if you have family that is on medication, you should make sure that they also have one to two months because we might be seeing some weird shortages and you don't want to be left without medication that you need. The other thing, too, is food. Yes. Okay. So This one's a little trickier. This is a little tricky, particularly given, like, storage mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Now, you don't myself, need to yeah. be, like, hoarder. 
ideally what you want to have at home is like i would say three weeks to a month yep and that sounds like a lot it sounds like a lot but all you know shelf stable Mm -hmm. so yeah don't get shit that like like so i made the mistake of purchasing uh four thousand dollars worth of clams for this (laughs) And apparently that is not. I've been making these this thing called cuckoo clams for the past three weeks. They've they've gone bad long ago. But Wait, what's it's in that? A, oh my god! So it's at Tomasa's, my favorite restaurant. We'll, we should go sometime. Oh, really, we, we, we should, oh, you yeah. were serious? Oh, I'm. I haven't been making this actually, but I, I. It's a really good dish. Oh, it's just like a garlicky clam kind of thing. I love it. Okay, uh, I thought you were making a joke. Uh, I was making a joke. Oh. I haven't been making cuckoo clams. No, I fucking stocked up on like like uh, shit that I, I'm not gonna cook right now. Yes, which is what brace. Uh, so I got a lot of pasta. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got some frozen food for some protein, some like yeah. some some meat, etc. Like a bunch of chicken, uh, a lot of Kansas soup. Yes, um, chilies are good. Chilies are good. Beans, beans. I did not Rice. get much in the way of vegetables, although I should go pick up some frozen vegetables after tonight, perhaps after we record. Yeah. Um, but yeah, rice is really yeah, good. Yeah, you guys, you just want to get pantry and stuff you can put in the freezer. You don't have to worry about like the power going out and water. Yeah. And if you can't do like three weeks or a month, get two weeks at least. Because that yeah. is like the general amount of time people have to self-quarantine for. Yeah. And basically the reason why you guys want to get this is not because this is going to be like martial law or yeah. Jade Helm. End of the world, whatever. Although I don't want to rule it out. Yeah. But... um. Because, you know, if this if this virus is spreading in your city, you're not going to want to go to the grocery store. Exactly. You're not going to want to con- have contact with people and, like, surfaces. Like, you aren't yeah. going to literally want to touch the, like, shopping cart. Yeah, because that's the thing is, this 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 virus can stay on surfaces. Yes. It is not For up the, to nine days, I believe. It is not the main, like, vector of transmission. Uh, that would be my penis. But it is, uh, you, you didn't like that one, did I you? I didn't. That's yeah, gross. she's making a face at me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, no, it is not the main vector of transmission, but it is one. So mm. be careful about that. I mean, the thing is, like, yeah, it's just so, you have to be so fucking careful that I feel like there's almost no way, like, everyone's going to get it. Yeah. And so this is really, like, I bought this stuff. So when I, if, 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 and inshallah that I will not, if, uh, if I have to self-quarantine, I will be... Uh, less miserable. Yes. Um, Oatmeal is good. Also, nut milk is a great option because Mm -hmm. it's shelf-stable. Yeah. I got got two things of soy milk. Mm. Just fucking kidding. Almond milk. I'm not trying to grow some titties (laughs) while I'm in there. Uh, I got a bunch of cold meds, too. Okay, yeah. Let's talk about this. get meds that reduce your fever. So I got a bunch. I got everything from Theraflu, which is not for everybody and may not be the... It's pretty good for this, but the best stuff is just like excedimenophen, Anything that is a mm-hmm. fever reducer. Yeah, because, pe- yeah, that stuff's good. Um, uh, what's the thing called with the O? Oscillantium, or however you say it. Uh, it's like a vitamin. Colonial silver? No. <laughs> have you seen the guy who turned himself blue? Oh, have My dad dated a girl who turned herself orange from eating carrots. Go on. I'm anyway, serious. I can't remember what it is. But so in addition to fever reducers, which you want to get, also I would stock up on vitamins. Mm-hmm. Uh, Duct tape. Good to have Tylenol, Advil, yep, both things. Aspirin, uh, you know, Dayquil, Nyquil, Theraflu, like we mm-hmm. mentioned. Uh, and I'm gonna plug my favorite no, cold reducer. No, bleep this part out. No, didn't you get it? I, I haven't gotten it yet. Oh, I ordered it. I haven't got it yet. It's called. I haven't got it yet. Why am I talking like that? I got 
Corona. Go on. It's called Dr. Singha's Mustard Bath. Mm-hmm. And I put it in with Epsom salts, and it helps you sweat everything out. Uh, read the directions. Go exactly by the directions. You have to take a cold shower afterwards and then get right in bed and go to sleep. But it works every time. Alternatively, if you do want to get sweaty from another sort of uh, activity, you could look up uh, pictures of me on Google Image Search. And that that tends to work for many uh, young men and women. Uh, Okay, one last thing besides medicine stuff, but that's very serious. Um, Oh, actually, two last things. I, if you can, I would keep some cash at home. Yeah. So just, you want small bills, five, ten dollars, denominations, whatever amount you're comfortable with, keep it in a safe place, but just, you don't, you know, again, you want to like reduce what you're touching, who like, you know, you're interacting with and you never know what's going to happen with anything. That's always a good thing to keep at home. Exactly. Uh, You know, a lot of people have been talking about how you shouldn't buy masks. That is probably true because Mm. it's, it's, I mean, we are, we are, as we'll find out in the next segment, not going to have a lot of those in America. Yeah. They're basically gone. Also, most hand sanitizer is gone. An alternative, if you can find it, is isopropyl, uh, however you say that, alcohol. That was gone from Target when I went there. Is it? Okay. But it's been at liquor stores. That's the thing is a lot of the stuff have been gone from the big chain stores that I've been to, Mm -hmm. but liquor stores still have like a ton of toilet paper and stuff like that. I mean, I don't think we're about to run out of toilet paper. Yeah, that's very weird. You could also, literally, I'm not kidding about this. People get mad at me for this. You can fucking just use the sink and like, or take a shower. Yeah, like, just wash your hands. Toilet, that is like not the main thing you should worry about. Okay. I mean, it'll be, yeah, all right. Um, the last thing I want to say, and I'm very serious about this, is that it's a good idea, if you can, to talk to a friend and set up maybe a buddy system. Because mm-hmm. if one of you gets sick, knowing that someone can possibly take care of you or get you things that you need in the event that you don't have stuff. Even outside your door. Yes, you don't want to get them sick, but just someone that you know you can contact. It doesn't have to be like an emergency contact person, but just they know that they're prepared, you know you're prepared, and that you guys can have a little buddy system. And also, it's good to have close friends like that. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like 25% of young men do not have a close friend. <laughs> I'm serious. Well, yeah. So this is a good way to make them. I'm your friend. Me too. Uh, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, that's the proper segment. I'm just kidding. No, uh, producer Young Chomsky will be available. His phone number <laughs> is 634-8778. And uh, he will be available in the Bay Area, Northern California, up to Reading to bring you anything you need. And if you are a dude, he will so. <laughs> okay, with that, we should... Let's get Alexander on the phone. Mm-hmm. Because we're gonna, we got to talk Mr. Market. Alexandra Ocasio Oskags. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, welcome to the finance zone. We are joined uh, by by Chunan Financet, that is a female financier correspondent, Alex Skaggs, uh, also a uh, a financial writer for Barrons, who is here to tell us about. Well, things aren't things aren't going so hot in the old markets, are they? No, they are not. Yeah, um, Mister Market's going a little crazy. 
<laughs> yeah. And like every finance correspondent on TV also. Yes. I don't know if you guys <laughs> no, are they, is everyone losing their mind? Uh, did you see Santelli? So Rick Santelli, the CNBC guy who like got famous for this big tea party rant, mm-hmm. uh, went on another one of these rants, except his whole thing was that he wanted to give everyone coronavirus all at once. Sounds sound advice. Hmm. <laughs> in order to calm the market? Yeah. Was he just like, if yeah. we all get it and we're over it in like two weeks, then we yep. can get back to work? He's like, as long as the uncertainty isn't there, it'll be fine. And oh I was my like, God. Shit. <laughs> we don't need a vax. We just need to calm the VIX. Yeah. Oh, God. You like I, don't know, that? I don't get that joke, but I, oh, no. Alex seemed to understand. It's it. terrible. So, it's terrible. I'm with joke. the ladies on this one. It was fun. Great. <laughs> um, yes. Lots of volatility in the market. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it was like when we were first going to have you on, like so much has even changed in the last week. There was, I think a couple times over now, it's been the Dow's worst day. <laughs> yeah, like ever. Yeah. And, then, and so like when, when we first were going to talk, there was this big sell off. Mm-hmm. And so I've like been writing about markets through a few of these and like every time it's really scary. But then I like look, look, I look at the numbers and it's like, okay, it's, actually not that bad like in percentage terms or whatever it's not that big of a deal mm-hmm. um, but this time I actually had to go back and correct myself because it was the worst one since 2008 mm. ah. not a big th- I don't know anything that happened big in that year not a great yeah well I, <laughs> no. I refinanced my homes oh, but okay. well <laughs> it's a little niche yes we're refinancing though that'll be yes really good for all of us well yeah homes. so basically we wanted to have you on because a lot of people have been asking, like, is there a recession? There was a big article in Bloomberg that was basically like, actually, maybe we are already in a recession, but mm-hmm. no one knows. Yeah. <laughs> and just because it, it's a little unclear exactly what the markets are reacting to. Yeah. Um, and it seems like a lot of people, it, it seems to be com- like uh, continuing to continuing to react to everyone's fear of not knowing what it's reacting to, if that makes sense. (laughs) It really has kind of snowballed. Um, And it's a little weird because I think the timing is a big factor too. Mm. Um, Like, I feel like we had sort of, I mean, I guess the Ebola scare was pretty different because it was a lot more severe and a lot more contained, Mm -hmm. but like we've had these sorts of scares every like six months maybe. Um, But what's happening right now outside of all of that is that, like, remember in, I guess it was the end of 17, they did the corporate tax cut. Mm-hmm. So, like, that was really good for companies. And so through most of 2018 and 2019, they posted, like, really good earnings growth. Right. Because it was, like, really good, you know, it was basically stimulus, but for yeah. companies. Um, and so now they're sort of out of that. Like, that sort of exhausted itself. And they have a lot of debt. Um they are actually like really leveraged in their like supply chains and stuff. Right. And so there's probably going to be an earnings recession either way. And now people are like, holy shit, like on top of this earnings recession, we have this huge, um, you know, pandemic basically. So two things are kind of happening concurrently here is that, that this sort of stimulus from 2017 or like whatever, the semi stimulus from 2017 is wearing off. 
And then there's also just a sort of unprecedented or at least not precedented for a long time pandemic that's sweeping the workforce and the supply chain. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's weird. I like, I still don't quite know what to make of it, honestly, but I, I don't think anyone does. Yeah. That sort of seems to be the main thing here is like, nobody really knows what to do or like how to, how to view this sort of thing. Yeah. And it seems like the, I mean, the fed is getting involved and in trying to like calm things, but it doesn't seem to be working. Yeah. Alex, could you explain what's going on with that? Cause remember we like, you know, we're not all big money brain ladies here. Some of us are dumb. Um, but you know, uh, no. penny rich, uh, <laughs> males. <laughs> and so, uh, let's, uh, let's, can you explain to the fellas what the fuck, uh, Liz just said and what you guys are talking about? <laughs> so, so the, the federal reserve, um, I mean, as I'm sure everyone knows, they set interest rates. They're mm-hmm. basically like, this is how much it costs everyone to borrow. Everyone borrows at basically at some spread to the interest rate that the fed sets. And so like, a couple of years ago, they were raising rates because they were like, oh, the economy is really good. We don't want inflation, even though I'll say there's no inflation anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so they raised rates for like a little while. Um, but then on Tuesday, they ended up cutting like 50 base, like half a percentage point all at once. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about that was that before the Fed cut, everyone was like, oh, yeah, the Fed's going to cut. This is going to be great. And the market, like, rallied on that. Yeah, I, I remember Fed, that. Yeah. Well, and then after the Fed cut, people were like, oh, my God, what does the Fed know? And then oh. started selling off. <laughs> like, what are they seeing that we don't see? And I was like, oh I'm God. confused. Yeah. Yeah, so Fed rates, I mean, yeah, you brought it up, but it is a great time to refinance your mortgage or even your student loans if you're so inclined. I don't have either of those. So what does that mean? That means just like to sort of borrow again or to like... Basically to renegotiate the interest rates at which you're currently borrowing because the new rates... Or have lowered so much, you can get a better deal. But it it, it involves like you know an, a you know a new contract. Basically. So like if I if I had student loans of whatever fifteen hundred dollars a month with an interest rate of two percent, I don't know how much I didn't go to college. Don't know how much they are. I could go to whatever my loan guy right now and be like, listen, I'll pay you sixteen hundred dollars a month, but the interest rate is point one percent. Probably not that low, but point two. <laughs> well, but, yeah, that's, but the, that's general the general idea. idea. Yeah, 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 okay, I'm yeah. getting that. Yeah, wow, that uh, that seems well, that doesn't seem so bad. Well, I think a lot. I mean, just anecdotally, anecdotally, I think a lot of people are going to take advantage of that. But I don't know what that's going to mean for the market. And I guess that's like my other question is, and like you said, it's like tough to suss out exactly what it's responding to because it does seem like. There are some real supply chain concerns in terms yeah. of like manufacturing, but also like like for example, I know that you know everyone knows that there's like there's no hand sanitizer anywhere yeah. and there's no masks anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I know that like the US can make those masks, but all of the materials to make the mask are in China. <laughs> So it's like all these sort of different kind of shocks going around. Not that that's exactly what the market, those those specific things are exactly what the market's responding to, but it's like hard to tell if it's responding to genuine like supply chain shock or or just people's uncertainty and volatility. 
Yeah. So I think like the supply chain thing like should have been fixed by the Fed, right? Because mm-hmm. if a company has to get stuff from somewhere else, they could like borrow to cover the cost of getting the supplies from somewhere else and whatever, right? Like mm-hmm. I feel like people are kind of over that. Even though I do I do think it was like a real issue for a little while. Um but I think what people are freaked out about is that they think people are going to like all stay home yeah. forever mm. or something, which like there have been some stories about this, but like, I don't know, like I can't self quarantine. Like right. I, I have to go to my office. Like it would be nice to self quarantine for, for the next five months or whatever. But I, I just think yeah, a lot of people who work like, white collar jobs who think that they're going to stay home forever. So they're like, Oh, well clearly every person's going to do this. Exactly. Yeah. That that's a big thing because it's like, so for instance, like, you know, they, they have in, in, in San Francisco, they're asking like basically old people to stay home as much as possible. And I don't think that, that they'll be able to do this sort of core or they, I don't think they have the will to do the sort of quarantine that they'll do in maybe other countries in America. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it, it does raise like an interesting point. Like what if, you know, millions of people do get coronavirus and, you know, obviously the majority of the cases are mild, but th- there are there is a, a large amount of cases that are, are serious but not deadly, which which would necessitate staying. I mean, all of those necessitate 100 percent of the cases necessitate staying home from work for a little while. So yeah. you have a bunch of people staying home from work, not only not making money, possibly getting fired in some cases. I mean, I'm sure that there'll be yeah. some motions against that but it's what's going to happen in some cases but also like being short on rent or you know if if millions of people end up in the hospitals as is a possibility mm. uh yeah i i have a feeling they'll probably make the vaccine free in a lot of cases or not the vaccine but like whatever the testing and if there is a vaccine develop the vaccine but like the hospital stays won't be free and so yeah. that has huge financial ripples right Exactly. And so I think people are worried about the potential effects from that on mm-hmm. like, you know, people just going out and buying things, yeah, uh, like sort of basic consumption type stuff. Um, and I think some of the jurors are pretty leveraged too. So like we talked to, I think we talked a little bit about this last time actually, but uh, health insurers have a decent amount of debt, mm-hmm. but like life insurers also have a ton of debt. So like, of course, my mind goes to like the darkest possible outcome. Oh gosh. Right. And if they're paying out and they don't have the, the ability to do so. Well, could you explain by leverage? Like, what do you mean by leveraged in that case? So the health insurers, I don't know as much as I should probably about the the health insurers specifically, Mm -hmm. but for the life insurers, I know specifically they, they basically have all this money, right. And they have a pool of money and they're like, okay, we're just going to invest it. And uh, the issue is that interest rates are really low and their assumptions for returns are like, oh, we think we're going to earn like 5% or like 6% every year. And so they're putting their money into like bonds that aren't very good quality, Mm -hmm. sort of on the assumption that like, oh, well, like business is growing, the economy is growing, everything's fine. Like the losses from these things won't be bad if it turns sour, but like we've never actually seen corporate debt be this high yeah. in our economy like ever. So. And that, that I, seems like a not so great combination with what's going on right now, especially if a bunch of people do die or a bunch of people do exactly. basically have to get paid out on their life, their health insurance. Mm. Yeah. 
Exactly. I think it's an interesting moment because, like, for so long, the stock market, like, kind of what you're saying, corporate debt, and, you know, you've got the explosion of corporate debt, and, you know, we've talked about it. It's just sort of like debt buying new debt to buy new debt, right? Just kind of like pyramid schemes of debt, including, you know, massive stock buybacks in order to inflate corporate corporate earnings reports. Mm -hmm. Um, And you have this, like, instance where for the first time the market is actually responding to the real economy or like potential of the real like and by real economy i mean like actual like labor force participation like real rates of labor force participation and consumption like you mentioned like people dying like real economic factors and not financial kind of instruments and so it's like this real like rubber meets the road moment almost Mm -hmm. it feels like or it has the potential to be where it's like this injection of like for lack of a better term like the real into this like environment of complete fictitious speculation yeah which is like pretty intense yeah no it is it's it's well that's why it's freaking out right like that's why insane because they're like oh shit we actually have to think about like real people instead of like how much can this company borrow to like literally pay money to its investors because that's been going on they've been like okay let me borrow money from debt markets and then give it to our shareholders i know i saw like elon musk tweeted something where he was like coronavirus is not a big deal and i was like someone call the sec because elon's back trying to manipulate the market i mean that's probably what that is (laughs) i mean Gosh, what are like some scenarios we're looking at? Like, what will this mean for like a in real terms for like the man on the street in uh, in or the woman in the financier's office uh, (laughs) in uh, but not like as the financier, like she's like a normal worker. Yeah. Um, Like, what does this mean? Like, what what are the effects like we'll actually see from what what we're talking about right now? I mean, it's so hard to tell. Um, And I think part I mean part of the problem with that is that like companies aren't going to be doing as much as they would have been normally like i don't know i this might be a little strong but i tend to feel like our economy right now is in sort of like a suicide pact with corporate america Mm. oh yeah because they're the only ones actually giving people jobs right real public sector to speak of and so they're like okay well corporate profits have to keep going because they're the only people or they're the only entities that are actually paying people yeah so when that stops, like, what happens? Like, layoffs, you get, um, you know, I think they've already seen some. Like, we, we were talking about Boeing earlier. Um, they put a bunch of employees on furlough at some of their suppliers. Yeah, I, and the, the airlines, too. Like, what, like, I mean. It's a massive sector of the economy, too. Huge. I mean, just travel in general, mm-hmm. you know, and, like, that's going to be affected by this absolutely. I mean, that, they might not cancel flights, but those industries are certainly going to... I mean, there was already a, an airline closed in Europe, which was like a Ryanair-type airline, like, mm. shuttered after, like, four days after people started getting corona out there. <laughs> which does not yeah. speak to great about their margins. Yeah, no, I mean, and you know they're taking it... I mean, it sounds stupid, but it's like, okay, well, Trump's got literally just, like, you know, Mnuchin and Kudlow up there. Like, they, you know, their first concern is, like, what that's going to be. And I think there's a reason for that. It's because it's actually pretty serious. Yeah. And the thing is that like, because everything is so financialized, Mm -hmm. like 
the market does actually, uh, sadly, echo through into like what these companies actually do, which means it echoes through into people's real jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Because every again, like everything is so tied together. Um, I was looking at it was like one of these you know Wall Street research guys notes, um, and they were saying that apparently at some point in the high yield bond market, which is like Michael Milken created, a mm. funny guy. Um, but if if interest if the sell off gets bad enough, then interest rates will rise high enough that companies actually won't be able to afford to pay back their debt, mm. and then yeah. and then then everyone's like no Uh, one knows what happens in that case exactly that's and that's that's the thing that sticks out about all this is there's like a lot of different futures in this that we can't figure out where we're going and we don't know what happens when we go to any of them i know i'm like thinking right now about rumsfeld for the unknown known oh yeah and the known unknown people gave a lot of shit about that that quote but we're looking at it right now kind of i mean yeah i think too like um there's a you know and again like you say how these financial markets have ripples into like actual real economy like what i'm saying like real people Mm -hmm. and i think that's totally right and one thing that i always think about too is there's a great paper by um pavlina chernova who's an economist at the levy institute yes she's great um and there's such a great paper about reconceptualizing unemployment as um, basically, I think, as a virus, which is an interesting way to think of it, because she says that the way that it spreads, like once there's like an infection, basically, in a town or a city of mm-hmm. unemployment, mm-hmm. that it spreads to other sectors as a contagion, and it can't be controlled. So like unemployment has these mass ripple effects throughout other sectors of the economy. So if you have massive job loss, like... Because, like you say, these huge corporations, their debt bubble pops and they don't know what to do. Or not even the huge corporations, but like even the little guys that are beneath them that are leveraged into those big corporations, mm-hmm. right? Like, those, those, that unemployment will, will eat into real estate, will eat into housing, will eat into education, will eat yeah. into... Like, it, it moves through and infects other sectors, even non-economic, what we would traditionally think of as non-economic sectors, yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that's sort of why, like, everyone, like, you see, like, airlines and, like, cruise stocks are, like, you know, getting absolutely killed. But mm. it's not just them. It's, like, you know, Apple, too. And people yeah. are, like, well, why, why Apple? And it's, like, well, you know, if you end up having a mass unemployment uh, wave again, which, like, God hope, <laughs> I really hope that doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, like you mentioned, I mean it's not only a virus and that it spreads, but also that it's like so bad for people. Like you can actually mm. look and see like health outcomes get so bad. I mean, obviously Absolutely. it's related to work now. Um, but sort of all of it together is just really uh, brutal. Yeah. So. I mean, and even you see like, I mean, I know a lot of people were dunking on people getting bummed about South by Southwest getting canceled. And I don't really care about South by Southwest as a thing, but it is true that like that city depends on oh, yeah. that revenue and you know, you're going to see it even more and more. I mean, I, you know, they're talking about canceling say like March Madness. That's mm-hmm. like Comic-Con. 
I mean, they got to cancel that. Yeah. Like, just begin with. Yeah, just in general. I mean, but they'll probably cancel, like, Burning Man. Like, I mean, and and it sounds like it's really dumb or whatever, and it's like, who cares? But also, it it does have ripple effects that, again, you start to see in other sectors. And not just in the, like, you know, headdress-creating artisanal sectors. I'm in the... Listen, I'm the first guy to call for Southwest... South by Southwest be canceled because my uh, mistress did once grab the weekend's penis in a bathroom <laughs> at a show there. Oh gosh! Uh, but like it, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy because these things like do bring in a lot of money for. Like, it's like I don't even know. I, I've been thinking about it because like I have friends. You know, I'm in the Longshore Union, and I have friends that work on the docks in mm. here up north. And I was talking to them, and like, yeah, it's like I mean. There's certain holidays, I guess, and like it's the time of year that shipping slows down to begin with. But like the way our supply chain works is it's very fragile, right? And like there are these certain sort of choke points. The docks are one of them. And um, there's not, I mean, some of these, some of these ships crews have been quarantined for 14 days. So that like this whole, it's, it's, it's difficult to like get stuff on the shelves in time. So the empty shelves places, which will cause panic and which will like, which people won't have. Well, you've already seen it's like now everyone's like freaking out buying a billion things of toilet paper just because like 10 people did it. Which is bullshit because you can just use your hand in some water. Oh my gosh. You can. They do much of the world. So, but like it's, it's, I mean, is that, so you mentioned the supply chain earlier. Like what is, so what is, what's going on with that, Alex? Oh man. Uh, So this is another weird thing that I actually think has been, for like the past few years undercovered and I'm trying to write more about it, but it's mm-hmm. kind of hard because it's like really opaque. Um, a lot of companies actually have started to like extend, or I guess forever, you know, companies have been extending each other credit mm-hmm. like within, within their supply chain. It's like, okay, you don't have to pay me right away for this thing. You can pay me in two weeks. Oh, Yeah. And then they get a bank to sort of sit in the middle and kind of finance that loan. (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) Economy's rock, dude. (laughs) Right? (laughs) A lot of rents that can be charged here. Gotta love uh, it. Yeah. But it's, what's interesting about it is that they're now actually taking those like loans, those like little loans and securitizing them. No. What's that mean? (laughs) Wait, what's that mean? I don't like that reaction. What's that mean? So they're basically taking them a bunch of like loans that companies make to each other and they're like really short-term loans, right? They're yeah. Supposed to be risk-free, by the uh, way. That's never never a good sign. Yeah. No. Oh, would they be AAA maybe? Uh, I think so. Mm. Uh, but they're taking them all and they're sort of packing them into these like bonds that they're then selling to investors. Wait, this sounds familiar. <laughs> Hold on. (laughs) I feel like I've heard this song before. Yeah. um, That is sort of what they did with mortgages uh, before the financial crisis. Right. And this is, this is something that's going like in our, like, like Walmart's doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, A lot of big telecom companies uh, are doing this. And, Um, And a lot of, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of the things that, that, that go into the products in these supply chains are made in a, in, in China. Yes. And I know the trade war has been affecting, uh, there's been issues with the supply chain in that, but this, so, so what happens if like the product doesn't come through that? Like what happens if, if nothing comes in on a ship? 
Well, that's, it's a good question, right? Because I think that part of what can happen is that like when things like this happen, like uh, in 2015 and 16, when oil prices fell off a cliff, Mm -hmm. like sometimes banks realize that like, okay, so it's not good for any of us if we like actually collect on this loan, which is uh, interesting because they don't tend to do that with like individual people. (laughs) So they do this thing called extend and pretend, which is basically say like, okay, well, we're going to give you another two or three months to pay off this thing that you were supposed to pay last month. Uh Because if you default, then like, people get really freaked out and investors take losses and it's actually worse for everybody. So I think that's why people are like, okay, as long as this ends in the first half of this year, we're okay. But then if you see it extend into the third quarter, the fourth quarter, like things might start looking pretty, pretty bad. Huh? So this could be like, uh, like potentially, well, I'm not trying to cause like freak people out here, but this could have some pretty like, uh, psychotic effects on our economy, like beyond, I think, what we're sort of prepared for. Yeah. Um. Very cool. <laughs> yeah, lots of fun, right? Uh, Will this what? affect podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> podcasts are the future, man. Oh. I got to start one. Gotta yeah, ask you should. <laughs> yeah. They're very lean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, do, we do get a new microphone and headphone set for each of us every every episode just it's like a face mask you just gotta get rid of it. but i mean so even for like medical supplies though that's like like Liz well, yeah, that earlier. pharmaceuticals as well yeah that's so a like, big issue that i mean it could it could i mean that market will be pretty badly affected by this as well too potentially yeah, yeah i think it already i mean the supply chain is definitely being affected yeah um, i think well it's funny because like the healthcare industry has been like investors haven't really been very bullish on it because our guy uh bernie is thinking about getting rid of a lot of it which yes respect (laughs) exactly um but i think that because of that like people aren't so worried about the healthcare companies because they're like oh we kind of expected this yeah the market um so another interesting sort of like i don't know sub story here is is the oil companies yeah Mm mm-hmm Because, like, oil prices have once again fallen off a cliff, and a lot of these small, um, like, drillers and stuff in Texas and out there in in the U.S. um, have stopped. Have they stopped production? I'm not sure. People are looking at drill counts and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a little outside of my, like, realm of market. Yeah, totally. Uh, But they are, they do have a lot of debt, and I think they are worried that, like, this might just be it for that industry which like you know yeah oh my uh, god employs people so sort of like eh. yeah that employs a lot of people yeah Yeah. i know i got friends and it's pretty much like all precarious labor as well yeah like you go out and work uh Mm -hmm. for like four weeks somewhere you get addicted to oxycontin uh (laughs) one of your friends dies because something falls i'm literally just recounting what happened i know it's such an awful industry it's horrible horrible destroys you by the way thanks obama yeah big big expansion (laughs) of that shit under his very cool um, we got to wrap up in a second, Alex. So what, okay. give me some wisdom here. I'm, 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 I'm sitting on the edge of the bed, my head in my hand, uh, and a, a snub nose 38 in the other one. <laughs> uh, 
possibly going to use it on on our producer Liz and then myself, unless you talk me out. What is going to happen? <laughs> well, uh, I think that there is a big opportunity. We can say <laughs> not not for investing, actually. No, for, oh, okay. Because, like, like you said, a lot of these industries that are getting hit the hardest are the ones that don't do like they're not like real world economic. Like they don't have yeah. any. It's fa- it's it's one of, it's one of those things that like when someone mm. like a layman or even not a layman like you you look at this you're like this yeah. is fake like this is just a money factory yeah mm. exactly and like it does it makes a case for let's say a different policy around yeah. say jobs in public sector employment um, because you know it sort of demonstrates that you know we are kind of in a suicide pact with corporate america and if they go down people get fired and like you need something there to sort of provide other types of employment we just haven't been very creative about what kinds people are interested in or like what people are willing to pay for yeah if that makes any sense yes so you're saying it creates a political opportunity yes and uh, I'll, I'll say um Pauline Chernova um, mm. has a really good stuff on that. She does. She yeah. absolutely yeah. does. So, so like, like we, there could be like a WPA for podcasters. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. That's what it means. Exactly. WPA podcasting. <laughs> yeah. White <laughs> podcasters of America. <laughs> Just kidding. That's a dig at podcasters, not at uh, our. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. Can't wait to have you back on again when uh, things get really crazy. Yes. And we'll hopefully see you soon unless we're all uh, we're all arrested by men in hazmat suits carrying submachine guns. Yeah. Fingers uh, crossed. On the streets of New York City. <laughs> uh, yes, I'll see you guys soon. All right. See you, Alex. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> That's terrible. Okay. Uh, well, I don't feel any better. I feel way better. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that's just because I did some Sudafed while she was talking. No. So this has been another wonderful episode of True Anon, the Corona Cast. Uh, my name, of course, is Dr. Singa Belden. Mm. Joined by Liz. And of course, uh, my faithful uh, lion of Syria, Bashar al Young Chomsky. Um, I don't know. I, I'm stretching. Okay, we'll see you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>